0: called Challenge 2.0. The Spirit of the Waters totem pole journey stretched over 17 days and 2,500 miles with a stop here at the University of Washington campus, the second to last such stop. But the history, the culture, the challenges represented by the 16-foot pole created by the Lummi Nation House of Tears carvers actually extends much farther back in time. It reviews the relationship between humans and the environment that sustained a rich culture for not just centuries, but even millennia. The cost of abandoning that relationship and the call to reclaim that wisdom as we look to resume our journey into the future. That then is the subject of this edition of Challenge 2.0, Spirit of the Waters. The totem journey reached the University of Washington's intellectual house on May 19th, its second to last stop. The focus was salmon their importance to regional tribal nations, and the call to remove dams obstructing their migration on the Lower Snake River. They have been called the king of fish. Historic runs were described as so prolific, there were almost enough salmon to walk across the river without getting your feet wet. They were the primary source of nutrition for native peoples. Although these majestic fish repeatedly endured the worst of natural disasters in this region, volcanic eruptions, earthquakes, glaciation, and mega floods. Just one century of Western civilization has now left their survival in doubt. In the 1950s, the Columbia Snake River Basin was the most prolific salmon habitat in the world. 30,000 returned to Idaho's Redfish Lake alone. But in 1992, only one completed the journey, a solitary sockeye salmon nicknamed Lonesome Larry. The most storied salmon fishery was at Celilo Falls on the Columbia with a history of more than 10,000 years. But when the Dalles Dam began operation in 1957, the falls were submerged, disappeared in just hours, as did the fishery and native villages. Hydropower is one of the five H's threatening salmon survival as described by scientist David Montgomery. The others, habitat, harvest, hatcheries and history He suggests, as do the native people seeking to address those threats, that there is a sixth H, hubris. Six foot long salmon, created by Lummi Nation carvers, are a prominent element of the spirit of the water's totem journey. So too are orcas. They are not only an icon of the Pacific Northwest, but also a barometer of our region's environmental health. The Southern resident killer whales depend upon salmon. Dwindling orca populations mirror dwindling salmon runs. The Lummi call orcas the people who live under the sea. And what we do to them, we also do to ourselves and to our children.
1: A lot of the conversation throughout this journey, which has been a phenomenal journey, you hear about earth, you hear about water, you hear about air, and uh, Sisila. Our grandmother represents all of that, our giver of life, our ultimate giver of life.
0: None of us can go
1: five days without water. Uh, None of us can survive without air. Uh, So thank you for being here. Um, Again, thank you to the elders, especially who carry the wisdom, the patience, the knowledge, uh, the, the knowledge keepers, and to the youth.
0: Former Lummi Nation tribal chair, Jay Julius, Founded the nonprofit that sponsored the Spirit of the Waters totem journey. He welcomed the standing room only crowd at the university and introduced our roundtable discussion.
1: With that, I'll turn it over to the roundtable discussion, Jeff Renner, for the challenge to point out.
0: Nice, Jeff. So at this point, you've already met Jay Julius, uh, former chair of Money Nation, uh, Shannon Wheeler on the other end. Uh, the vice chair of the Nez Perce, and in between, Joe Bae Gowdy, the retired chair of the Yakima Nation. So I thank you, each of you gentlemen, for being a part of this. We are here, of course, because of the totem journey. And as you alluded to, Jay, this was not the first such totem journey. I wonder if you could give us a little bit of perspective in terms of how many there had been. What was the foundation for that? What was the reason to pick that? As a metaphor for the larger problems we were facing. Uh, Jewel and the House of Tears
1: Carvers have done Jewel 15, 17, and uh, it, it brings ceremony, it brings spirit, um, it brings prayer, and, and a lot of that is missing in uh, a lot of the activity. Great activities and great fights used not only across the country but across the world we can get in get story and it allows individuals at different stops to tell their story
0: joe Day and uh, also shannon as you participate in these various stops uh i'd like to both number one share with the audience here and that will be watching later on a little bit about what the totem that you brought up here represents but also what were your impressions as you went through all these different stops in idaho in oregon as well as washington uh,
2: what did you feel and what went through your mind? And Shannon and I might be able to do that. Well, thank you for that, uh, this opportunity. I'd just like to say in our language a few words: thoughts uh, mm-hmm. yuma, So I would like to thank the Creator for this beautiful day at this sacred place that we call the Stalish Sea. And my name is William. Uh, my English name is Shannon Mueller. I serve as the Vice Chairman for the Nesperus Tribe and, and have been in that uh, position for two years and I am honored to be here on behalf of the Nesperus people to share our story and what this means and the opportunities uh, what the strength and prayer, the strength and uh, symbolism of, of the totem means and as it comes through uh, First territory when it when it comes to the uh, the, Cunin, or the Snake River, all those prayers and thoughts uh, that have accumulated with the totem to that point gives us strength and Helps us continue to battle and go on for what we know is the truth and what we know is right and what, for what we know is promised to us. And we know that this, when this comes forward like this in a good way, that good things will happen. And we're very glad uh, that the totem came to Nesper's territory, it came to the headwaters, and came through uh, the area uh, of about where Oregon, Idaho, and Washington come together. And it means so much that uh, it's, it's really difficult to express in words. Uh, it's really more of a something that comes out from that's visceral from your heart and, and, it's, and it goes to your body. That Just that really good feeling that you know there's uh, good things out there and the, the truths that are being told in those prayers that are foreign to the stamina or for begun the river of the water. And that's what's important uh, uh, with the Totem and, and that expression of, of what it actually symbolizes and what it means and the goodness that comes with it.
3: And Joe Kane. i wanna uh, my, my name is Chaykel. My English name is Jody Gowdy, and I appreciate you know, the opportunity and the question, uh, uh, You know, it's uh, it's been a beautiful journey, and. Um, I was uh, expressing a few other times that when I served in the capacity there at, at Yakima, uh, we took the opportunity to host a few of the journeys as they had stops the, in our territory. And this was the first opportunity that I actually had to uh, had to go on the journey. Um, and so as we first stopped in Eugene, you know, much as this day, is somewhat of an academic state. and uh, you, you kind of get that feel, and you have that spirit of not only educators, but you have the spirit of young ones who are seeking a higher level of education or knowledge. And so I think that as, as the gathering came there, you had a good mixture of thought, and that thought was at an elevated level, and then you had the spirit of, of Jewel and Doug and Siamowit and the, the others that were able to come in, and then you had an intermix much as I think will probably materialize as we continue on here, of something that goes back since time immemorial. The expressions that we carry as Native people. And we do our best, even though you'll see we have our disguises on here and and all these other things. In our heart of hearts, we are Natives. We practice our way of life, speak our language, we practice our ceremony. And so the first interaction I think was a very beautiful one. Because what you seen was a little bit of a hint of, you know, don't get me wrong, but at least in the the elevated sense of Western thought, and elevated sense of Western thought was able to interact with the native ways of life, which perhaps some of the observations from the Western thought process was able to appreciate to say, wow, I perhaps I didn't know that the native people of these lands thought in such a way, I wasn't able to really materialize exactly how their ways of life really are, uh, in some ways, very, very, what you can call, I guess you could say, um, intellectual pathways to balance and respect in these kind of things. And so I think that's what I've seen there at the uh, University of Oregon in Eugene. And then we traveled to uh, Astoria, <clears throat> and we were able to be welcomed there uh, by the people of Astoria and as well as the Chinook Nation. And the Chinook Nation is, at this point in time, um, you know, there there are people of that area and um, they uh, are fighting for federal recognition from the United States. Uh, And we were able to view their ceremonies, able to hear their language, able to see them practice that ceremony and engage with the totem and engage with uh, the other travelers and the, the different ones. And it was a beautiful thing to, to witness, because you see a nation, a nation, and it was there that I, I referenced, and I think at that time it was 229 years and, and 364 days ago, I think it was, that I had referenced something. Because that Chinook Nation, and they, they referenced, and they told us that they were, there were five nations in that area that come together. And so I brought the expression, you know, 229 years and 364 days ago. That was the day that Captain Gray, through the written record, navigated the, what everybody else understands to be the Columbia River. What we understand in our language to be the Anchuana, the Big River. And so uh, it was a pretty significant thing to witness their people and hear their testimonies, hear the testimonies that they do have a treaty much as the Lummi Nation has a treaty, Nesburs has a treaty, Yakima has a treaty. Their people negotiated a treaty, but they were under the threat that if they signed, they had to leave their area. They refused to sign, even under the threat of saying that they were going to take their people out to the ocean and drown them, and drown them. And they refused to sign them. And we heard that testimony from their people there that day. We took that testimony and we said, good interaction, and from there we were able to travel to Portland, and there in Portland you saw the intermixed your crowd just like this, of all kinds of representations. But I think the gatherers, such as many of you, are not the kind of people that need convincing of what's at stake, what's at hand, uh, what type of discussions and things. And so it was a beautiful gathering, some very good, good expressions have come forth uh, there in the city of Portland. And then from there, we were able to travel to Sumaila, uh, to Sumaila Village, where historically Sumaila Falls was. And uh, there was a coordination and a collaboration with one of the other elders of Lummi, and uh, a coordination of Salmon people gathering. And at that Salmon people gathering, you had representation all the way up from First Nations and the uh, Canada area, all the way down to uh, Kalamath, and uh, throughout the Northwest Territories, and even further <clears throat> and so we were able to come together uh, that day and hear the expressions of various salmon peoples and nations as we gathered at the the Longhouse. And it was a powerful day, powerful day because there was also testimonies of nations who no longer are able to have that salmon come up there to where they are at, such as the Spokane, there was a testimony there, the Colville, uh, even the uh, Shoshone Bannock. Those peoples, that are facing what we fear they already are facing the extinction, uh, or at least the inability for the family to come to their areas where their ancestors, and in uh, some cases, hunted for fish or fished for fish. And so from there to uh, to Pendleton and, um, and I think at each place, you were able to see a representation of the will of those nations and those peoples. And Shannon is one to speak about the will of his nation. And I can just bear with us to say that it was very strong, very strong, and his nation have been uh, at this fight for a very very long time and they're to be commended not only formally and politically but spiritually ceremonially and traditionally and so from there we traveled to Moshovan uh, and equally we were able to hear the testimony of uh, their people that it uh, they're at Fort Hall it's probably a team two and a half hour drive to Twin Falls and Twin Falls is the last point by which the salmon can go up the river so they don't to see those runs return to their people. And that's something that they are praying and fighting uh, about as well. And so from there to, uh, here we are. Let's stop there.
0: We will be seeing the actual photo later on this evening, but I wonder if you've got back for us the meaning that it represents the relationships both that occurred in the past
1: that you know as a part of your nation's Relationships with those different elements, but also where we're at right now and the problems we face. Jay, perhaps you might
0: begin. Thanks, Jeff. As I
1: stated before, it represents so much, but the Kapalmashin, in our language, the killer whale, that is their name. Uh, The is not a killer. Uh, The is, uh, in our beliefs, in our teachings, in our ancient stories, is. Um it, it's a it's a relative under the sea. It's it's uh it's a family that we have fished side by side for since time immemorial, since the beginning of time for us. And it's through our stories that we understand what family is, we understand what love is, we understand what protection is, we understand what defending your family is when you look at the ship and you look at their ability to hunt, their ability to fish, uh, they teach us, taught us so much. And uh, way I think we all know this is science is proven how intelligent the is, the killer oil is, uh, how they feel, and uh, they grieve, and, and they tell us that. Some speak their language, some don't. I think, Telequa sent us all a message just a few years ago as she pushed her dead baby for 17 days uh, telling us so much and asking for help and we can interpret that however we want but i think it's very clear uh, what she was saying and she was speaking on behalf of her entire body and her her entire family and then salmon the moose almost sits upon the salmon. The totem pole, which you'll see later on this evening, it sits upon the backs of two salmon, and uh, um, that is myself as a salmon people, uh, as a Lummi uh, fisherman, and one who carries a name of a fisherman that goes back to the beginning of time. That's what we've always done, and it's more than uh, just fishing. It's where my son and my daughters learn to live. They learn to, um, it's the greatest educational grounds. Uh, It's way better than UW, it's better than MIT. It's the most important education that I got from my father, who's on the water. And uh, it represents so much in that ancient relationship as Shannon touches on the ancient covenant with salmon and their inability to speak our language. We have challenges um, delivering how we feel in our spirits, and our souls, and, and carrying out that message in the English language. is still a challenge today. You know, 16 and a half decades ago, our world completely changed with the newcomers arriving. And I, I've shared before that I grew up with my great-grandmother who was born in the late 1800s. And that puts me one hug away from pre-contact. She was raised by pre-contact individuals. So we hold on and have never severed that relationship or divorced ourselves from being one with nature. And the representation of the totem pole and the ancient history and relationship with my people and the salmon, the orcas, the river, that everything is hot. Everything has a spirit and the bottom line is we cease to exist. All of us, no matter where you're from, you're all native from somewhere. We're all native from somewhere. But we cease to exist, and and they're the miner's canary. Um, What happens to them inevitably happens to us, and that's common sense in in our
0: stories. So, um, yeah. Shannon and Jody, I might ask you to expand on that idea of a covenant with Sam. it's so different from what we tend to grow up with in terms of Western culture of human beings elevated, and then everything else down below. Uh, give us some background on that. Our laws,
2: uh, we call the all up, is our unwritten laws. Uh, and those unwritten laws speak to the landscape, speak to the water, and how we interact with the land, how we're supposed to interact with the land. And as we made treaties uh, in 1855, those laws are the ones that we, our, our ancestors assured us to this point today and further on in perpetuity that those laws would be followed by us and would be recognized by the United States of America. And that's the that's the true importance of the true relationship to the stories of our creation. And the story of our creation is when the animals knew that the human beings were coming, they met and they said that these people will be weak and feeble and they will need our help. And salmon was the first one to step up, then the deer, and then the, the different animals all start stepping up. But when Staffan stepped up, he said, when I give myself to you, to, to, to the human beings, I will lose my voice, and you will have to become my voice for me. And so that's when our relationship had started, before we was even here. And we're dated back uh, at one of the, our probably the oldest archeological site in North America. At Cooper's Ferry is 16,500 years old, and we know that we've been here. This is the land that we sprang from, and that's our relationship uh, to the land, and that's our relationship to the family and how that, how we're connected. And this is this is the unwritten law. This is the law before law. So uh, we go by that, and, and it's. It's just like digging roots or, or bulbs when we interact with that land. Today they call it, uh, when you're aerating, you're lifting the soil and you're opening it up and then you're moving the, the seeds around, you cover it back up. That's the law that we have and we carry that on. When we have a first kill or a first catch, we have ceremony for that There's song for that. Those are the unwritten laws that, that we must do in order to maintain for that land to continue to give to us. Because we're no different from the land. When we say that our blood is tied to the land and the land tied to us, that's exactly what it is. And, and our relationship is what we do to the earth is what we do to ourselves. And it's the same thing, especially with Water. When you, and here's an example, and I go back to a Bruce Lee movie, which is uh, one of my favorites, you know? But he did an interview and he said, well, when you pour the water into a glass, the water becomes the shape of the glass. And I, that was profound for me when I was a kid, you know, like, wow, it's amazing. And but I start listening to our songs, we have songs that explain the riffles in the water and what that means. The water is attempting to become what the what's it's flowing over. When you put heat to water, it becomes hot or evaporates into the sky and then, it, then it becomes that. You put cold to it, it becomes ice. If you push your finger into water easily, it responds that way. If you slap the water, it responds with resistance. If we poison the water, the water will poison us. And that's the understanding that I have of water, of course. That's the understanding from a simple interview with Bruce Lee, gave me a greater understanding (laughs) of who we are as a people, but that's the truth. That's the truth of what's happening on the Snake River. The sediment, We're poisoning the water, it's getting warmer, climate change is happening, it's here, it's now, it's all around us. And those are the simple truths of of what we're facing today. And that's the unwritten laws that we have to go back to and interact to, as was mentioned, that disconnect, that divorcing from nature that's happening. We need to get back in that relationship and understanding Truly, what is uh, what we're doing to the earth? That the earth will do
0: back to us. We'll continue our conversation with these three leaders next week in part two of our program on challenge.